Andrea, it's great to have you here this morning. Last week we were privileged to hear Chris talk to us about care within the community. Some great images from the scripture, some great images that pointed to how care is about being a community that seeks to include all and to support each other. Um, Andrea, where might we start uh, when we think about how to care for other people? Thanks, Andy. I think I, I first of all want to begin by saying that there's a lot of wisdom and experience in this congregation when it comes to talking about caring for others. And I'm only one voice. So although I'm going to share my thoughts and ideas today, I really want to acknowledge that there are many other really good ideas about how we might care for others within this community and that they're equally valid. I think I also want to say that I don't always get it right. And there are plenty of times when I've made lots of mistakes when I've been caring for other people. And sometimes I wish I could play the replay button and start all over again. And I'm quite sure I'm not alone in that. So as everyone listens today, I encourage you to be really gentle on yourself if you're sitting there thinking of the times that you got it wrong. Don't worry. God has amazing ways of using our mistakes and turning them into gifts when we're least aware of them. I'm sitting here thinking as a pastor, the times I got it wrong are ginormous. <laughs> Sometimes bigger than the times I got it right. I remember once having been at a funeral, there was only three people there, and uh, two of them were the daughters of the man that had been buried. He'd been living in an aged care home. And the third person was the carer from the aged care facility. And I remember trying to do whatever I could to, um, to reach out to these two daughters, but they were so angry at their father. It just seemed impossible. But I tried my hardest, and I went home and I thought, this has been a complete disaster. Um, I moved to the Philippines. I got a letter from the carer in the aged care facility, and she wrote to say she'd become a Christian, and she'd started to think about faith, at that funeral where I was talking about love when there was so much hate. I thought it was a huge pastoral care failure. Um, but God has God's way of making things work sometimes despite us. Absolutely, and I've plenty of my own experiences um, that I could share as well. So where might I start? Well, I could begin by giving us a, a list of ideas of how you might practically care for other people. But I want to start somewhere else. I was really fortunate to grow up in a congregation where they modelled caring for others beautifully. And when I look back, one conversation when I was a young adult had a profound effect on me. One Sunday morning, the minister was interviewing one of our ladies in our community who was involved in pastoral care. This lady struck me as a quiet, faithful servant of God and she had been involved in pastoral care for a very long time and still is. 
So when the Minister asked her the question, what was important in pastoral care, I was listening very attentively. She answered the question with one word, prayer. She never visited anyone or offered any support without praying first. It didn't matter how small a task it was that she was about to do, whether it was she was going to deliver a meal or whether she was going to visit someone, she would pray that God would walk with her and give her the wisdom and the gifts for that particular situation. Prayer was so important for her. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 17 to 18, it says that we should pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God calls us into prayer in all circumstances. This lady's words have always stayed with me. And I've learnt over the years that this is the place God asks us all to start when we care for others. Yeah, Andrea. Again, it hits a chord in me. Prayer is such an important part. I grew up in a family where they told me, oh, don't bother people. So I have this inbuilt reticence when I go to visit or care and I find the courage to do it um, through prayer. It helped me become a botherer. <laughs> Whenever I'm going to visit or make a phone call, I step out and pray first. Is there a time you can share when prayer has really, really helped? Absolutely, Andy. Uh, working in community palliative care and as a spiritual director means I'm often confronted with really difficult situations and I need to hand these encounters over to God. Some years ago, I arrived at work and saw on the list of my patients that I needed to go and see a dying child. I felt very stressed. Paediatric nursing has never been my strong points and I still have nightmares of the six weeks I had to spend at the Royal Children's during my training. I always hope that when there's a child on our program that someone else might actually go and do that visit for me. But today it was my turn. As I drove to the home, I prayed that God would use me in this situation and give me wisdom. I handed the visit over to God because I felt completely inadequate. And I'm sure we can all think of those times when we feel completely inadequate. Despite this, I got to the front door, my heart was jumping out of my chest, and I was hoping they might be out. <laughs> Clearly they were not. I spent the next hour with the child and the family and we talked about how we might make their child more comfortable and we talked about how the family were coping. As we shared, I felt an amazing sense of God's presence. The following day, I needed to go back again. I prayed again. The child was imminently dying. And the next hour became quite sacred. The child died later that day. Despite my complete sense of inadequacy, God used my gifts to comfort this family. 
and in fact got, I got a letter from the family some months later thanking me for my presence in that situation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, Paul says, God's grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. You might hear my story and think, I can't do that. But I believe you can. We can all care for others. And it is when we invite God into the situation through prayer that it becomes a truly sacred moment. Sometimes I feel like the first step of caring is just being there and listening to people. It makes them feel valued, included. Do you have any thoughts about how listening has a place in caring? I think, Andy, after prayer, the next really important place for me to start is how we listen. There's very little value in being present if you're not really listening. And I think we can all think of those situations when we haven't felt particularly heard. And if we're honest with ourselves, there are always those situations where we haven't been listening properly ourselves. In spiritual direction, we talk about listening beyond the words. In Indigenous culture, they speak about dadiri, which is an inner, deep listening and a quiet, still awareness. When we're present with someone, we are called to listen with our soul, to hear the deeper emotions of the unspoken word. When I think about this, I'm drawn to the story where Jesus meets the woman at the well in John chapter 4. In this story, Jesus meets with a Samaritan woman at a well and he asks her for a drink. Immediately, she's taken aback. Jesus is a Jew and they shouldn't be talking to each other. She must have been thinking, who is this man? As the conversation unfolds, what becomes apparent is that Jesus starts to tap into something much deeper for this woman. He sees more than just a Samaritan woman at the well. And as she asks questions, Jesus responds, taking their conversation to a deeper place. He offers her living water. Jesus sees that this woman is carrying a deeper emotional pain and will only be healed with the living water of God. Jesus has heard her and goes beyond the words and listens to her emotional pain. It's that deeper listening that I believe that we're called to. Many years ago, a client shared with me that she was going away for Easter on holidays. The conversation felt really light and easy, but I realised that she was actually trying to tell me something more. After a while, she told me that the family, would be, the family holiday would be the last family holiday that they would have. She would not live to see another Easter. I didn't really have any words and it felt really awkward, but I knew she needed to share her thoughts without me necessarily responding. As I listened and gave her space to talk, 
she began to share about her feelings of grief and loss. What began as a passing comment about a holiday turned into a deeper conversation about how she was experiencing terminal illness. This is what I mean when I say we need to listen beyond the words. It can take courage to ask more difficult questions and to delve deeper. But if someone feels like they're really being heard, like this person or the woman at the well, they will often go on to tell you what's really happening for them, what's happening beneath the surface. <coughs> when we truly hear someone or we've felt heard ourselves, it's quite transformational. It's only when we hear the whole story that we can then begin to prayerfully discern how we might help someone. You were talking about prayerful discernment. What's that really mean? Good question. I think it can be really easy to think we know what's best for others. And I know I have fallen into that trap myself. It's easy to think we know what another person needs. And it can be really tempting to think we can fix other people's problems rather than spending time in prayer discerning how we might help. Sometimes we need to provide practical help. Sometimes we can't do anything practical to make things better. Sometimes God calls us to listen to their story or to pray. And this, in fact, might be the most powerful thing that you can do. When we wait on God and listen, we can discern better as to how to help that person. Equally, Andy, we're not always the right person. Sometimes when we don't actually have the gifts and the graces that are needed and required to care for that other person. With the person's permission, we may need to involve someone else, someone from the ministerial team or another trusted person within our circle of care. Acknowledging that we're not the right person or that we don't have the right gifts to care for that person in that situation is not a sign of failure. It's actually a sign of wisdom and discernment. We're all part of the body of Christ and it's okay to discern that someone else may need to be involved and that we are not the right person to offer that care. That's what it means to be part of this community, to know that everyone has something to offer. Some people might think that just, I'm not very good at all that caring business, but I can do something practical for someone. That still has a place. Absolutely. Absolutely. As I said, sometimes it's about providing practical help, sometimes it's about praying, sometimes it's about listening. It's about everything. And because we're a community, we have all those things available. Absolutely. And some people will do some things better than others. 
You mentioned sometimes we cannot always fix the situation. That can make us feel pretty helpless when we can't actually do anything to change it. What are your thoughts about that kind of helplessness we feel? I think that um, sitting with someone who is suffering and struggling with something that is terrible in their life and we can't fix it is really hard. And I've had many years' experience working in difficult situations, but that doesn't mean I find it easy and it doesn't mean that I don't struggle too. So the first thing I would say, that if you feel helpless, you're normal. (laughs) When we ache for another human being, it's because we are compassionate. Compassion means to suffer together. It means just as God longs for that person to be healed, so do you. And it's really hard when we're watching another person struggle. In those situations, I think it's important to recognise the gifts that you have offered. You might have been praying diligently for that person. You might have listened deeply to that person. Or you might have offered lots of really good practical assistance. All these gifts will have made a difference. Never underestimate what you've done. And be gentle on yourself. The situation may not have been fixed, but whatever you've done is a gift from God to the person that you're caring for and may have surprising outcomes. When Alan and I were going through IVF, the greatest gift that was offered to us was the gift of others being present to us. Our friends couldn't fix our infertility or our grief. But the fact that they were present and were prepared to go on the journey and didn't get sick of us meant all the difference to us. And they could have tired of us, but they didn't. And that's exactly what God does for us too. In Isaiah 41, verse 13, it says, For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Caring for others isn't always easy and we do feel helpless at times. But I think that passage reminds us that what we're called to do by God when we're caring for others is to be present. When we pray, listen deeply, prayerfully discern how we might help when we are caring for others then we change people's lives in a profound way. So faith has a lot to do with how we care. Absolutely, yeah. And I think for me, um, my faith is the core of who I am. And I know that whatever I do, I don't do it alone. I I do it with God. Um, And I know that as I invite God into each encounter, no matter what that might be, I'm able to do things that I wouldn't be able to do on my own. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you.
We're going to stand and sing the servant song. <laughs>